association with him or some inspiration from him and we'd like to say some words in appreciation after I uh, um, I jotted down some notes from uh, that I wanted to speak about oops first I thought I <coughs> I would um, read this one thing I was thinking here we go thank you about Srila uh, Haridas Thakur. And of course, you know, we don't want to jump the quick and compare uh, our present-day Iskand devotees to, uh, you know, um, Lord Chaitanya's personal associates, but there certainly is um, um, some inspiration, I'm sure, that uh, His Grace Ayanda Prabhu uh, derived from the life and teachings of Srila Haridas, and an example of Srila Haridas Thakur. And there are some, you know, connections that we can make. Even uh, we sometimes don't think about this, but on a certain level, in terms of society, uh, Haridas Thakur remained a Mohammedan his whole life. It's not that there was any process by which a Mohammedan could become a Vaishnava in 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 in, in those times. Um, and, that, and that's significant in the sense that the, uh, the fact that, uh, it's, I think it's mentioned here, oh no, it's in the, um, 
Anjalila Vichetani Charitamrita, that he was offered the first, uh, was it Binda, is it? You know, so that's, that wasn't like a, some small thing, it was a total shock in one sense, because he, he was uh, a Mohammedan and he kept for a long time, you know, his beard, uh, as we see in that photo of uh, Gadadhar Pandit uh, reading to um, uh, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from the Srimad Bhagavatam and uh, other uh, Maharaj Pachapurudra is there paying obeisances and, and, and there's Srila Haridas Thakur um, <clears throat> with his Mohammedan beard. So, uh, yet, as we all know, he was Nam Acharya, Srila Haridas Thakur, and was recognized by uh, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami and was all over the Chaitanya Charitamrita and by the, uh, by the congregation of uh, Vaishnavas at that time as uh, such a great soul that, that there's, a, there's in the Anjali there's, there's two chapters uh, just about Srila Haridas Thakur, about his glories and then about his passing away. And so Aindra Prabhu, he wasn't born in a uh, Gaudiya Vaishnava family. Um, he joined in Washington, D.C. in the USA. Um, and yet, uh, by the grace of his spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, he attained such a uh, level of attachment to all my names. Sanatan Goswami, he, he, uh, he said, uh, you probably have heard of this many times, it's such a wonderful statement. He glorified Srila Haridas Thakur in this way. O Haridas Thakur, who is equal to you? You are one of the associates of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Therefore, you are the most fortunate. The mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for which he has descended as an incarnation, is to spread the importance of chanting the holy name of the Lord. Now instead of personally doing so, he is spreading it through you. My dear sir, you are chanting the holy name 300,000 times daily and informing everyone of the importance of such chanting. Some behave very well, but do not preach. <clears throat> Uh, but do not preach the cult of Krishna consciousness, whereas others preach, but do not behave properly. You simultaneously perform both duties in relation to the holy name of your, uh, by your personal behavior and by your preaching. Therefore, you are the spiritual master of the entire world, for you are the most advanced devotee in the world. So we could say that, it, you know, it, you know Ainur Prabhu would be right on the top of the list of uh, devotees in ISKCON who have um, glorified the holy name and who have uh, spread in, within our society and, and also uh, in the world the importance of the chanting of the holy name. And although he wasn't chanting uh, 300,000 times a day, which basically takes up the whole day, <laughs> right, it's uh, how many rounds is that? That's 192 rounds, right? But Eindruppu was chanting 64 rounds uh, every day, <clears throat> and uh, through his uh, through his example and through his uh, singing, um, uh, so many devotees understood and gained an understanding of the importance of the holy name. One of my favorite. Uh, I don't know if you, the way Andrew Prabhu began uh, in Vrindavan in, in 1986, he, he moved there then, and he started on Ram Vijay Dasami, which is uh, in Kartik, I believe, right? 
Um, he started on that day, the day of uh, Lord Ramachandra's uh, conquering. Uh, he started the 24-hour kirtan, which has gone on uh, ever since then. So 86, 96, 106 uh, for the last uh, 24 years. That has been going on continuously, the, the, uh, the 24-hour kirtan. And, one of, um, and he wasn't always you know, the famous Indra Prabhu that we all know. When I, I, moved, I visited Vrindavan the first time, well, I actually kind of stayed in Vrindavan for the first time in 1987 and then moved there permanently. Well, permanently. I moved there uh, for the last 20 years in 89. And in those days, you know, no, I didn't really even know who he was so much. He was kind of quietly doing his uh, his uh, bhajan. I mean, I knew who he was, but it was he was nobody. You know, he was just another one of the prabhus, and there had been no cassettes or tapes uh, distributed in the beginning, and he was just quietly going about his service. And I remember when uh, he started producing cassettes, there was one that one title that really captured my attention. He said, it said uh, the name of the cassette was Kirtan is our bhajan. <laughs> it was a very bold statement. You know? uh, Kirtan is our bhajan. And, and that um, uh, he, and that was, that was quite a statement. And as a matter of fact, I remember one sannyasi telling me once that he said, uh, in, a, in a very appreciative way, that he said, Indra Prabhu has probably kept more people in ISKCON than anyone else. <laughs> and he, he said that because, you know, as, as we all know, or most of us know, there was a time, especially in the, uh, starting in the early 90s and, and even somewhat up to today, where uh, devotees started, you know, taking interest in Raganuga Bhakti and where is Radharani and, you know, trying to understand, you know, the uh, deeper import of, uh, of Prajalila. And there was a time when people said, no, no, you have to go outside of Iskand to this sannyasi or that person to, um, to gain that understanding. Um, yet Aindra Prabhu provided that kind of kata and that kind of uh, interest within Iskand. And many devotees uh, were satisfied with uh, talking to him about such uh, topics and didn't feel the need to uh, wander beyond Srila Prabhupada's uh, institution for, for that purpose. So he, he had a, such a multifarious uh, impact. So I guess I'll just go through that little history. So these, these cassettes would come out. Um, I think one of them, many came out part one and part two of Braja. Does anyone remember? Braja Dham, was it? Or? Vrindavan Mellows, right, Vrindavan Mellows. I think there were three parts to it? Yeah, three parts to it. And uh, during the festivals, uh, some devotees would volunteer to set up a table and, and sell those. And then, all, then somehow uh, some devotees started making orders for their gift shops. And, you know, it just kind of started in a very organic, simple way. So it's just, I just wanted to make the point that it didn't, you know, he didn't kind of just hit the scene running when he first came to Vrindavan. He was just kind of quietly had no room in a couple of devotees. And they were just slowly uh, building up uh, this program to you know, where it is today, where you know, um, you know, I don't know how many hours a day we play Andrew Prabhu's bhajans here in the temple when the devotees are singing, and you know, you go all around the world and you hear uh, devotees playing his his uh, recordings. 
Previous to coming to Vrindavan, he, he did a very interesting program, uh, which I, I, you know, I kind of wonder if it would be a great thing for us to introduce in a lot of other cities. But he, uh, with Van Bhadra Prabhu, he bought a flatbed truck, right? a, a truck with a you know, flatbed on it, and they set up a, whole, a bhajan with loudspeakers, and they would just drive up and down the busy streets of New York City. Um, you know, uh, with, I, I think they got in trouble sometimes because of safety things, you know, because it's a flatbed truck. <laughs> you know, there was, I'm sure they didn't have their seatbelts on, you know, because um, it was just a flatbed truck and a Merdunga player and maybe harmonium, I don't remember if it was harmonium and carpets. Uh, and sometimes what they would do is they would park, uh, you know, if you know, in, in New York there's some really busy intersections. So sometimes they'd park on the side, on the right side and just you know, keep on playing there until the police you know, move, move them on. Um, so even prior to coming to, uh, to Vrindavan, he, um, he was uh, very, very uh, attached to spreading the, the glories of the Holy Name. Um, and his... Uh, um, he, over the last few years, we've seen, you know, like I said, it kind of like, um, you know, his impact on ISKCON kind of was like this, and then the past few years has kind of been like that. For example, uh, a devotee who works with him, I think probably some of you know, uh, his name is Gopal Prabhu. Um, he, uh, he, he has two, a brother and a sister who are devotees, and uh, his father is... Anyone help me? He wrote the book about Srila Prabhupada in South Africa. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Anyway, Gopal Prabhu uh, uh, talked to Malati Mataji, and uh, at that time Radhana Swami was a GVC in New Brindavan, and they agreed to have this 24-hour uh, kirtan in New Brindavan, which now, I guess, has been happening, what, maybe four years in a row, three years, right? And has become, like, you know, a real... Uh, uh, big thing, and then not only that, but we see all over, um, practically all over the world. I, I, in Europe, they have uh, they have these sometimes 12-hour, 24-hour kirtans, um, and many many places. So you know, it's something that uh, I, I believe uh, em, you know began with, uh, from the inspiration from Indraprabhu. So that's you know a huge impact on our uh, on on ISKCON and on the uh, devotees. In terms of the, uh, how many of you have been personally in the kirtan with Andrew Prabhu in Vrindavan? It's, it, well, it also comes out in his recordings. Very intense, right? You know, it's not just, you know, it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's really, really quite an intense experience. And, and it often builds up and builds up to just before uh, the, uh, the, Seven o'clock for the uh, RT, right? Because usually he would go from six to seven, or, or later when his throat wasn't going so well, so six thirty to seven, and so just building up to when the uh, pujaris blow the conch shell and they begin the the uh, the gaur RT, Sunday RT, um, and it you know builds up to a crescendo, and, and you know he's kind of like the, the conductor. He's just conducting this whole orchestra, and and also you know in Vrindavan there's just crowds and crowds of people who come, and they would become so attractive, and then you'd always, almost always there would be some uh, person, some you know visiting person um, who would just spontaneously stand up and dance, and and sometimes whole groups would dance, and 
it was it was a whole uh, experience. And Anya Prabhu was um, was very choosy, very much like uh, Bibi Govinda Maharaj very choosy about who played what instruments. And he didn't mind if you weren't playing properly to grab the cartels right out of your hand. And give them, you know, he really wanted to make sure that the, that the uh, that things were going well. And he, you know, personally made you know trained the Murdanga players and and uh, you know made sure the cartels. You know, I mean, it was really a uh, it was a whole performance. You know, it, it's it reminded sometimes it reminded me when he was walking into the temple room of. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to get mundane, but but before I was a devotee, going to concerts and uh, you know the uh, there would be the warm-up band, but that and, and he had a warm-up band also. Some of the devotees were doing bhajans before he came, uh, you know. But uh, you know, um, so there's a warm-up band, but then you know whatever Mick Jagger walks on the stage and everyone goes crazy or you know whatever. So it was a little bit like that. He would walk into the temple and. Everyone would be, you know, and then he'd uh, sit down, um, and he would never allow anything except the maha mantra, bas. Only uh, a radastami, he would uh, chant, you know, uh, songs uh, glorifying Shrimati Radharani. But I think uh, I don't remember anything any other day. Maybe someone else does. I don't remember any other day where there would be any other mantra. If somebody was part of the 24-hour kirtan and they started, you know, um, Sita Ram or, you know, any <laughs> slap. <laughs> no, Hare Krishna a mantra. Only the Hare Krishna mantra. So he, uh, he was fixed on that, you know, because Srila Prabhupada said um, that uh, in, in, in kirtan we only need three mantras, the, the Panchatapha Maha Mantra, the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, and we can sing... Um, Hari Hari Nama Krishna Yadavaya Madhava Gopal Govindaram Shri Madhusudam Bas. I was it. And, and as we know, even even on uh, uh, Ram Nomi in in Vrindavan, at least when uh, a devotee started singing uh, Raghu Pati Rag, Prabhupada sent uh, Hari Sari Prabhu down and said, "Tell him to stop. Just chant Hari Krishna." So Ainder um, Prabhu was very much following in 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 that mood. Um, besides being such a, uh, he was an artist, right? He was an artist. He, he, we know, you know, you hear his recordings and they are one of a uh, transcendentally professional artist. He was, you know, like I, like I was saying, he was very picky about how things were done. And he had a flair. And that came out not only in his singing, but how many of you have um, been up to his room in the past, what, maybe four or five years? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he decorated uh, everything with cow dung, yes, I mean it was incredible, right? He had different pastimes of the Lord and different um, decorations, all kind of like reliefs, all done in cow dung and, and different motifs and all you know, all and then the photos. I mean, you know, the walking up to his because there was a separate entrance um, in the Gurukul building, for, you know, for child protection reasons and others uh, to get to his place. And so that whole uh, walk up to his room was in itself a transcendental experience. Right. Davy, what else? There was photos of the deities and what else? Do you remember?
one second. Let me give, give the mic so that. Uh, um, he was, as you say, he was really in particular. So when they were doing this cow dung thing, he really researched how to do it uh, perfectly. And they experiment because we asked them at the Gurukul side because we wanted to imitate. Um, the greatest compliment you can give to somebody is imitate. And um, uh, they, you know, experimented in the different. It's cow dung mixed with mud, and then they used fevico, which is this glue, to keep it on the wall longer. And then, um, and they before they put it up, they had um, waterproofed all the walls. And then he designed everything around each door. There were designs, and around each frame, and the different uh, paintings. And then there was, you know, cows put in, and peacocks. And he had these ladies, and he would he would personally supervise everything. And then afterwards, it was all varnished uh, on top of that. And so there was darker shades on lighter shades, and you know, it was really a work of art, like living art. And he loved it, and everybody loved it. Right. Good. Keep the mic, because I'll probably ask you to add some things. Um, do you want to talk about management, or do you want me to, or you know, our, our interactions with him? I'll start. Yeah. Um, because uh, I, I kind of witnessed it more, but uh, Mataji and Einder people, you know, had some uh, number of. Um, interactions because she was the principal of the Gurukul and therefore kind of in charge of the Gurukul building. Uh, and Indra Prabhu and the 24-hour Kirtan were taking up some of the rooms in the building. So there was some, you know, naturally had to be some uh, communications and some give and take about things like paying rent. And that's, oh, by the way, that, that point, to, that's another kind of like this kind of thing because uh, in the beginning he had no money. For the for the care for the 24-hour care, barely enough to uh, maintain, you know, give the devotees some kitri, and you know maybe buy them a toothbrush every now and then. But you know there was he they were just you know living literally hand to mouth, and I think not to say anything disparaging, but at certain times um, the, the temple management may not have fully appreciated the importance of the 24-hour kirtan and, and kind of thought of it as a separate program and so there wasn't a lot of money flowing from the temple to, to him either. Um, and that also he, he, he just built up, you know, simply beginning with, you know, a few cassette sales and then devotees uh, taking, you know, uh, oh, you're going to the West, can you carry some cassettes with you and maybe, you know, sell a few. And, and then, but, you know, then as, as time uh, went on and uh, he became well, more well-known and, and devotees were, uh, were, were giving donations and he was even, I think, at, at, towards that time paying rent to the Gurukul just out of the, uh, the coffers from the 24-hour kirtan. Right? rather than uh, from the temple side. So, uh, you know, even, even Krishna blessed him with, uh, with Lakshmi, but not right away. In other words, it's really important to appreciate the, the struggle that he went through, especially in those early years. Right? Because uh, there was often, you know, because he was there all year long. You know, we, uh, we never stayed in Vrindavan in the summer. 
We always came to the West, and and it was for Western body devotees. It was uh, almost inevitable that they would get sick because of the combination of first the dry heat in the summer, which would get even hotter than we have here, maybe 10 degrees hotter than we've had the last few days here, uh, and then the monsoons with the very um, uh, humid heat. And that one-two punch knocked out most Western devotees. And we would always, uh, even to this day, we tell devotees, you know, who are from the West, <laughs> don't stay in the summer, you know, come back at least when the rains come, because that, that one-two combination. But he was there, you know, 365 days. Um, and in the summer, when the Gurukul wasn't open, often the generator wouldn't be turned on. So that means, you know, um, no, you know, in the 80s, probably lots of, lots of, many, many, many days in the summer when there was just no electricity and it's 120 degrees. You know, that means no fan. On the third floor. The and they're on the, th oh, thank you. And they're on the third floor, which is arguably 20, 10 to 20 degrees hotter than the, than the ground floor. Easily, right? I mean, it's so much hotter. So much hotter. So, you know, no money. And then, um, again, being respectful, but the, the, uh, especially in the beginning, the kind of devotees that joined him were, you know, okay, well, you can't do anything else. You know, you can't do sankirtan. You can't do any deity worship. You can't wash the pots. Uh, okay, we'll go to Vrindavan and join the kirtan, you know, you're crazy, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, he got some, you know, really, really wild people over, over the years, um, and, uh, and, you know, he just dealt with whoever he dealt with, when the temple would uh, kick somebody out, he would take them on, because he needed people to chant, he, he, he was committed to this 24-hour kirtan, and again, like so many things toward, uh, in later years, he got so many, you know, very, very wonderful, uh, like I mentioned Gopal Prabhu and uh, Bhagavad Purana Prabhu, Ram Roy Prabhu would come often and, uh, and, and many devotees would visit for, you know, a few months and, and live with him and, and uh, you know, he got the caliber of devotees that, that he worked with, you know, changed over the years, but again, in the beginning, whew, it, it wasn't like that at all. So he, he performed incredible, incredible austerities uh, to uh, get the 24-hour kirtan going. So, um, yeah, there was a time when, uh, when Mataji was hoping to um, move the Ayindra Prabhu and the devotees who were taking up those six or eight rooms to another facility a little further away, and she really wanted to make sure that it was a nice place and that they would be comfortable, but that uh, the, the school could get those rooms in order to accommodate more children uh, who were attending, attending the Gurukul. And this, <laughs> to say the least, this was not to Ayinder Prabhu's liking. But the important thing here is why. Why was it not to his liking? It was because he, um, he from his room, he could hear the kirtan. You know, the, the, the noise rises. And he wanted to make sure that the kirtan never stopped. So he, so even though we, you know, there was uh, an offer. I don't know if you know where, where um, the Prabhupadvani Ashram is. Um, it's kind of on the way to the uh, the Goshala, and it, you know, we, there was promises to make it first class, air conditioning, this that, you know, very very nice. 
much more comfortable than, um, than where he was on the third floor of a building filled with 150 or 200 you know, children that make a lot of noise. Uh, but he wanted to stay there because uh, he wanted to make sure that the kirtan never stopped. Um, and, and he was so, because, because you know, of uh, child protection rules, we had to make sure that there was a separate, separate, separate entrance and no one in the 20, you know, the children couldn't go to that area and people who worked in the 24-hour kirtan couldn't go to where the children were taking rest. So I, I can remember one time when you were talking to him and trying to figure out, well, how can this be done? And he was willing to do it. You know, all kinds of pretty uh, creative and, you know, as we would say, far out ways in order to make sure he could stay there. One thing was to build this little spiral staircase coming from the back of the building that would kind of crawl its way up to the third floor of the building. You know? And so his, uh, or another one was to, um, to put a, a, a hole in the ceiling. Remember that one? And there would be like a little ladder and they'd go up through the ceiling and then across the, um, the, the roof to a uh, entrance. And that way they wouldn't you know, be connected to where the children were. So something else was worked out eventually. But he was willing to go to some real extremes in order to make sure that he was there hearing the kirtan making sure it was, uh, it was going on. Um, at the end, he would always do a, a chaturmasya uh, brat. So you would see if you, um, you know, chaturmasya, you grow, you grow your beard. Well, you do a whole bunch of things, right? But you know, externally, you would know it's chaturmasya because he had a beard. And uh, at the end of two months, it's a four-month period, so at the end of the first two months you shave, and then at the end, uh, and there's a, a big feast um, at the end of Kartik when the four-month brat was done, and that was also the end of his uh, Bhisma Panchika brat, which was, you know, pretty austere. He, did, he wasn't able to do it physically every year, but a number of years, he, you know, where you, one day you eat only drink cow urine, another day cow dung, another day milk, yogurt, and something else. Five days. Um, and then, so anyway, my point was then he would have this uh, feast for as many devotees as wanted to come, I believe. It was, maybe it was by invitation, but many, many devotees, and he would always talk to Mataji and ask her if it was okay on that day to um, use the uh, Gurukul verandas for uh, serving, serving the prasadam. And he would, make, he would you know, orchestrate the cooking, and, and especially in those, those uh, latter years where, where some funds were available, he you know, covered the expense of the feast, which wasn't a small amount of money. And he would uh, feed the devotees, make sure that they were, you know, personally sometimes go around and make sure that they were, were uh, uh, well-fed. Why don't you talk about graduation last year? Um. We've lived for years in the same building, and um, the students always uh, knew Andrafu and had great affection for him. But they were a little bit afraid of him as well, because you know we were kind of on the um, you know the mundane level, and uh, they were up up on the highest level, and you know just focusing on the names where we had focused on many things. Um, in fact, one time Andrafu said to me. 
because the boys would play in the garden in the, in, in the middle of the school and they'd play this game called kabaddi which is a kind of a catch game and as you're trying to catch the person you have to say kabaddi 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 like that so Andrew Fubu said, I don't mind they play the game, but please have them say Radhe, Radhe, Radhe when they're, when they're running around trying to catch each other instead of this kabaddi. So he was always um, uh, you know, looking down upon us and giving us some nice uh, guidance. And, um, but last year for the graduation program, the 12th graders uh, really wanted Andrew Prabhu to come and do kirtan in the school with them as one of the last um, one of their last gatherings. So um, we said, "Well, you go ask him," and and they did, and he came, and he came down, and we had all the students in the garden, and when he came in, they all stood up, and they just naturally or spontaneously started, you know, clapping and welcoming him, and he was very touched, I think. Because this was the first time he had actually... Oh, he'd come before uh, to do a program with the teachers, but this was the first time that he'd actually come into the school. We would always go to the temple and, and chant with him. And he uh, had a wonderful kirtan, of course. Uh, the boys, uh, especially the older students, all played madanga with him. And um, he just did how he does so wonderfully, getting everybody involved. And then in the end, um, he asked me... Could, uh, could I, would I mind if he said a few words? So I said, no, of course not. And so he, he started talking to the students and he said, you know, basically he repeated that, you know, you, no matter, basically throw out everything you've learned because really the, you've learned the most important thing. You've learned the most the one thing that you have to learn in life, that everybody has to learn in life, you have it. So you don't need anything else. And of course, that was the holy name of Krishna and chanting the holy name. And uh, it, was, it was just such a wonderful... It was in the evening time, you know, chanting in Vrindavan under the stars with Andhra Prabhu in the garden. I was there and I thought, you know, it can't get much better than this. So he was very kind and he had promised he would come and do that again. Uh, with more of us. Uh, another time, um, we used to, twice a week the boys would have, uh, just in the last year we started this, or a couple of years back, they would have this tandoori roti for supper. And to do that you had to make a fire because it was, it, they would make them in, a, in this big drum that had cow dung on the inside and so you had to fire it up. And uh, when they would make the fire, all the smoke, the, the kitchens were down from where Ainja Prabhu's rooms were, so all the smoke would go up. And uh, he and his party didn't like that at all. Um, it, would, it would just last for about 10 or 15 minutes and then it would go away. And um, one time one of his brahmacharis um, was calling down from up, upstairs. Okay? You're just all interested in satisfying your tongues down there. You're just all sense gratifiers. And I was calling up saying, I got to do it for the kids. I got to do it for the kids. So everybody was always kind of defending their area of service. But um, one of the teachers went to talk to Andrew Prabhu about it. And so Andrew Prabhu just said, well, at least you can send us up some rotis. <laughs> <laughs> so I can offer them to my Takurji. So we began to do that. So he, you know, he, he, was, um, he was wonderful like that. Um, one, speaking about the devotees who, were, who served with him, one time 
um, about four or five years back, uh, there was one, somebody in our uh, primary student's bathroom uh, cleaning the bathroom. And so I went there right away because we were really strict about who was in the building. And uh, I said, who are you? Where are you from? He said, I'm part of Andrew Prabhu's kirtan party. And uh, this one of the services they had to do as being part of his party was to clean the bathrooms. That was just a requirement of, of living there. Of course, it didn't include the Gurukula bathrooms, but um, he got enthusiastic. But I appreciated that sense of um, you know, menial service, and, and, and that's the qualification. You know, that was part of the, the training that Andrew Prabhu had for them to, to, um, to do that. Um, I can't, what, anything on your list about the Gurukula? Just that he would dress uh, Radha Sham Sundar um, regularly. In, in fact, um, uh, uh, I don't know how much, how many times a week. But when he would he would dress the deities, he would um, he'd always stand in front of Radha Sham uh, during Guru Puja time, and uh, sometimes he would discuss with the devotees, and they'd be looking at how uh, uh, they were dressed. And um, Andrew Prabhu didn't. Um, he was very. He, he didn't have any ladies involved in the 24-hour kirtan, which uh, sometimes uh, devotees felt. Prabhupada did and felt that wasn't that wasn't fair. But he was very strict in in in. He was very encouraging for the ladies, but he 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 was very strict about that. So I didn't. We weren't ever allowed to go upstairs to his room or on that side of the Gurukula building. So I didn't get personal association much. But one time, um, during Bhagavatam class. He, he would, the kirtan would stop, but he would have the, the kirtan people had to chant japa while the Bhagavatam class was going on. And they would do it in the mandap to the right of Radhasham Sundar. There's this little mandap, because um, that's where the original 24 hour kirtan was, meant, was, was started. So when we would sit at class, sometimes we'd hear these devotees chanting japa during class, and uh, I got a bit annoyed with that one day. So I asked them about it, and they said, Well, go talk to Andrew Prabhu, because he told us we had to do this. So I did. I met Andrew Prabhu afterwards, and I asked him about it, and he explained how um, that in it, at Radhakund, that's what they do. They just keep the name going all the time. And he, he said, but he said they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah, at Raghunath Daskaswami Samadhi at Radhakund, when they do the, which I, which I, I, I assume or expect was an inspiration for his 24 kirtan. Actually, he would go out there. Uh, on those days and chant at that samadhi uh, on the appearance and disappearance days of Raghunathas Goswami. So he said how they were actually meant to chant very quietly. It was supposed to be a whisper. And, um, and he, he, he said he would talk to them about that. Um, and, I, and I asked him, but then he, he smiled and he said to me, but you know, you can chant, he, he said, you can chant the holy name and listen at the same time to Bhagavatam class. He said, I can do that. <laughs> so I uh, appreciated he took the time to, to speak to me. Uh, just in general, the way uh, he interacted with you, you know, definitely the way. Yeah, 
He was always uh, very gentlemanly. Sometimes, on occasion, he would come into the school if he was very anxious about something uh, with regard to electricity or... Um, and, and just to get back to the third floor, it was really, really hot, and it was just last year that they put in ACs up there for he and, and all the people who live there, and he did get very sick over the years uh, staying there, uh, really, really sick, because it's extremely... Um, it's just so extremely intense and hot in that building. Uh, but on occasion, he would come in, um, flying in with his curtis flying, and he would burst through the office door and, you know, proclaim that, you know, I needed to do something for him or this or that. But always a very respectful, always um, just a, you know, not mean or um, demanding, but just uh, intensely. Uh, enthusiastic and uh, requesting me to you know take care of whatever issue needed to be taken care of so I always found him very very um, yeah just a gentleman actually w w in his dealings with me yeah. yeah when you mentioned about uh, um, anyway I, I, I remember <laughs> He would, uh, for uh, a number of years, maybe five or six, seven years, he would be listening uh, up in his room to the Bhagavatam class. And so if you're there giving the class, and then you see him <laughs> towards the end of the class walking in, <laughs> you know, uh-oh. <laughs> because often he would, uh, well, he would kind of sometimes... You had to, of course, call on him if he has your hand. If he has his hand up, no, he can't like you know. Although I would like try to leave it to the end and see anyone else. Uh, you know, I'm kind of like make believe I didn't see him for a little while because uh, he'd either ask a very difficult question, but more often he would give his own Bhagavatam class after that. You know, kind of pick up on something that he wanted to say. Uh, and a matter of fact, one time he gave like a four-hour Bhagavatam class. Yeah, I think after that, management didn't let him give another class. Uh, or something. I went on into like the new Narti or something like that. But I, I, but I remember I was. Uh, my only hope was I didn't mind you know him going on. My only hope was that he wasn't going to you know correct something you know uh, you know that I said you know in the class or something like that because you'd see him coming in because you know he's listening and and it wasn't always. But when he did decide to come down, it was like, okay. <laughs> um, I think I had, oh, uh, in terms of his health, uh, I remember one time he had, I think it was his eye, he had a really bad infection in his eye. I think it was his eye. Um, and it wasn't going away for a long time, it looked really bad. So I, I, I went up to him, I said, look, Prabhu, you know, we'll, we'll, why don't we just go to, um, I'll take you to uh, Apollo Hospital, which was, at that time, there was one really good hospital in Delhi. Now there's a number, but that was, you know, it's almost a Western quality hospital. As a matter of fact, a lot of Westerners fly from America there to uh, get operated on because, you know, they have this uh, medical tourism. So I said, you know, I said, you know, it won't cost you anything, just, you know. Um, <laughs> he, he refused. He said, I'm not leaving Vrindavan. <laughs> Um, and uh, the other thing uh, that I remember in terms of his health was, uh, of course, he, it was an ongoing thing that he would lose his voice. Right? Because, again, if, any, if we've all heard his recordings, it wasn't just Hare Krishna, it was intense chanting. And that really does something to your vocal cords. 
Um, so one thing that helped him was, I forget the full name, but maybe you know, you see them in uh, drug stores, these fishermen, uh, what are they called? Yeah, Fisherman's Friends, yeah, yeah. I think there's different ones, and he liked the darker color package. Yeah, so we would um, try to stock up on those when we visited in the summer. And, uh, and bring them, and those he would be kind of popping in his, in his mouth as, as he was singing. On his harmonium, I think it was a Punchatup, he had a little picture about this big on his harmonium, and I believe it was a Punchatup that he would um, sing to as, as he was chanting. So um, let me just look real quickly at my notes here. Those were the main um, thing. Oh, well, one thing is (laughs) he wasn't an easy person to imitate. (laughs) He he really uh, is a unique person in the in the true sense of the word unique. And uh, there was many attempts to try to get him to conform. At one time, uh, you know, we went through a lot of uh, temple presidents in, in Vrindavan. Uh, I think Daivi Shakti Mataji counts uh, 26 and she, when she joined there in 76. Um, so I remember one time there was, uh, two te- there was co-presidents who came from a um, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, a conservative ISKCON mindset. So they didn't appreciate uh, Andrew Prabhu's dress. We all, I think most of us know how he would dress. He would dress like Babaji. It was one piece of cloth that uh, I, I can't even, I, I never figured out how to wear it actually, but it would kind of, uh, it, anyway, somehow or other it would cover his bottom and top. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but it, it would, one piece of cloth. So they, uh, they, they tried to force him to wear a saffron dhoti. Because uh, uh, he was a brahmachari, so he should wear a saffron dhoti. That didn't go over very big. Um, but similarly, over the years, there would sometimes be a devotee who would join his group and try to, you know, either sing like him or dress like him or perform austerities like him, and it just wasn't the same, it, right? It wasn't the, uh, you know, of course it was in all sincerity and things, but you just, you know, there's certain people that, you know, he just obviously had such powerful Purva Samskars, you know, Purva Samskars, you know, uh, impressions from previous births um, that most of us uh, didn't have. And and so for those who tried to imitate, you know, it it was, I don't mean to say we made fun, but it was almost a little comical because you could just see the difference. You know, uh, Indra, you know, looked like uh, a sadhu, and sometimes he's otherwise kind of look like, you know, Barney Rubble or something like that, you know, trying to dress. And I don't mean to, you know, criticize Vaishnavas, but it, my point was, is not to make fun of them, but my point is that, you know, there's um, certain people you just can't imitate. Right, that we say, we say about Krishna, right, that, uh, you know, we, 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 or even the spiritual master, right, you follow in the footsteps, you don't try to imitate them. So, uh, his, uh, he wasn't a person to be imitated. He was, you know, we, certain things, of course, his attachment to the holy name, and, uh, and even for those of us who can, his chanting of 64 rounds and things like that, but, but the, the level of his austerity, the intensity, of his, you know, he was a very, very intense person, especially when you started talking to him about a topic that he was passionate about. Then it was incredibly intense. 
right? incredibly intensive. Yeah, and, and um, last year for, uh, on, on um, I think it was the Disappearance Festival of Prabhupada, Andrew's, he, he's always very intense and, and very, has strong feelings, and his offering was about how really one should concentrate on the Holy Name and forget everything else, and so a little bit down on management, but, um, you know, his point was good, but he expressed it in, in quite a dramatic um, one could say artistic and, uh, and in a way that actually some devotees, some senior devotees there felt very hurt and offended by his offering that, um, that their service may not be, you know, it, it appeared that he wasn't appreciate. he was putting down their services and, and just pushing up the chanting. So um, there was a bit of a stir in Vrindavan at that time and then, but then the next morning after Mangalarti, uh, Andrew Prabhu, in front of a, a huge temple room full of people, he actually got up and made an apology and said that, you know, and clarified what he was trying to say. But, you know, I, I just appreciated so much just the ability for, um, you know, someone of that stature and of that caliber and of that advancement to come in front of all the Vaishnavas and humbly apologize for hurting the other devotees and that that wasn't his intention. So... Um, Mm. Yes, His intensity sometimes got the better of him, and then he had to pull it back a little bit. Right, he didn't steer away from controversy sometimes. But, you know, it was clear that um, whatever he was doing, the intention was Krishna conscious. Sometimes the impact, you know, like you said, you know, uh, there was a couple of incidences over the years, but it was... It, Although sometimes things had to be clarified, I won't go into some de any details. But the but the point is that his intention was always in the right place, and I think that's uh, that's a very very important thing to remember for all of us. You know, we may also sometimes get carried away, or we may do some stupid thing, but generally, devotees in in, in the service that I I deal with. Um, these things, and you see that generally, the 98% of the time, the devotees' intentions are good. Sometimes their impact doesn't match their intention, and that can be that can be a problem. But uh, they don't mean harm, or mean to do harm, or hurt uh, other people. So he was a very intense person. Um, finally, the that temple management just made him the one exception. <laughs> no one else. No one else on your party can dress like you. <laughs> no one else. You only. Bus. <laughs> and so they, uh, they, they made that caveat. So that, that's um, uh, what I had. But other devotees who would, uh, who would like to say something? So we, Michael, would you like to sit here, bro? Microphone will come in a second, bro. Chaitanya's uh, most important instruction, well, at least uh, we can say there are many instructions that Lord Chaitanya gave were very, very important, uh, but one of them that really stands out is Amara, where he said that Amara Agyaya Guru Hanataraidesh Yaritaki Tarikaha Krishna Upadesh. Aintraprabhu exemplified that. He was truly a spiritual master. Uh, he had uh, he really influenced a lot of people in their Krishna consciousness, like you were saying. 
And uh, <clears throat> like any spiritual master, spiritual master cannot be imitated. You know, people can say, well, after the spiritual master leaves, uh, the disciples become spiritual masters, and you may they may try to behave like their spiritual master, but it always ends in failure. Uh, you know, you have to be yourself, but you learn the principles from the person. And uh, with Ainter Prabhu, uh, you know, like uh, at our temple, we have his kirtans going on all the time. Uh, one of the sets of kirtans that happens is his set of kirtans. And people again and again will ask for copies of that uh, kirtan because they hear it and they really appreciate it. But off late, when I went to Bindavan, like I went to the last trip, I went, it was about three months ago, uh, I was doing uh, japa, walking around the temple, just doing japa, doing parikrama, like many devotees do. And there's no doubt about it that he was the apple of everyone's eye, like he was so, such a famous devotee, that wherever he went, people congregated around him, you know. <clears throat> and I noticed while I was doing kirtan, I wanted to speak to him, but uh, I noticed there's so many people who want to speak to him. And uh, when he's outside the temple, you know, just where we, you know, we wash our feet as we come out of the temple on the side that Radha uh, um, Shamsundara, we go towards Goshala. So there was some, there's a meeting that had happened of the Indian RGB, you know, the, all the leaders of India had come to New Delhi to have a meeting, and then they all came to Vrindavan. Uh, and so some of them were talking to him, you know, they were just congregating around talking to him, casually with other devotees. One thing I noticed about him was that he hardly spoke. He just listened, you know. And uh, uh, I could tell it was pure humility, because there were times when I'd stand there, and I knew that he could say something, but before he would say something, somebody else would want to say something. Because the nature of, you know, devotees generally is that, you know, we like to talk, not hear. We like to talk. But in his case, he really liked to hear. I could see that even though he could have interjected and said something, he didn't. He just kept quiet, let everybody keep talking. There was one particular devotee, one of the Indian leaders, who really sort of like wanted to talk, you know. And he repeated himself so many times the same thing. And I thought, you know, why don't you let him speak? You're asking him questions, and then you're answering your own question, you know. I mean, what type of a question is that? When you ask a question, and you answer it yourself. I mean, you know, that means you're trying to tell somebody you know something, you know. And he wasn't like that at all. He was really very, very humble, a very humble person. No, no matter how, uh, you know, sort of famous he became, uh, he kept his humility. And, you know, that, that's a very difficult thing to do in, in, in those circumstances. So he was really, what I wanted to say was he's really, truly a spiritual master. And when I heard that uh, he had left, I heard from Anjuali, first person I heard from, that he had left his body. She had called from India to let me know that that had happened. And uh, the first thing that occurred in my mind was that, you know, we should dedicate all our programs today and tomorrow uh, like that to him. Uh, because, you know, imagine an important spiritual master leaving his body. People do do things that go beyond the normal, you know, in terms of remembering devotees who are very important have left their body. This is a very special devotee who has left his body, you know. And so I just wanted to say that today and tomorrow all our programs are dedicated to him. We'll be doing kirtan all the way tomorrow till, uh, till Mangalarti in one shape, form or another, including today we think of going out on Harinam because, you know, Harinams are such an important part uh, of expressing kirtan. And tomorrow also, and, you know, we have the youth coming in. Unfortunately, their bus broke down, and so they're, 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 they're delayed. 
but they'll be here sooner or later. You know, we're making arrangements for other ways to get them here if the bus can't bring them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they'll be here, and they'll be really enthusiastic, but they love Kirtan as well. So I just wanted to say to everybody, this is our great opportunity to take blessings from this personality by participating in what he wanted to teach us, and that was the most important thing was the holy name of the Lord. In any and every way that we could actually identify with the holy name of the Lord, associate with the holy name of the Lord, particularly spread the holy name of the Lord, that we should make every effort in whatever we do to connect like that in whatever we do. And I was very happy to hear from uh, Mother Nandamnish very how when his, in his talk that he gave to the students that he actually highlighted that point, you know, that was his life. And, you know, we definitely can learn that from it and become much better devotees as a result of learning that. Thank you. You reminded me of something you said reminded me of one other super important service that I knew people would do. And that is that he would always chant to devotees who were leaving their body. And, of course, a lot of devotees leave their body and their body. Samadhi there. Um, yeah, I'm just going blank. But anyway, the, uh, the um, you'll remember his name in ten seconds. I hope. Great. Uh, so many, many devoted. This was his uh, standard service center. Matter of fact, where, where we where we live, um, uh, Pranana Matsuji's house is just opposite, and the top floor was often used as a hospice for devotees at that time because the, the new hospice actually is going to be inaugurated quite soon, I think in the next couple of months, big, a big facility for devotees leaving their body. So we, we would often be hearing, you know, the bhajans. We remember conversations with my wife and saying, gosh, what, there couldn't be anything better than to leave your body in Vrindavan with Aindra Prabhu singing, you know, and Vibhu uh, Chaitanya uh, Prabhu, Vibhu Chaitanya Prabhu, who's a, I mean, another person we could spend the next 24 hours glorifying, uh, and his, he has a samadhi there in the uh, Goshala, um, and so he was there, and then when our uh, uh, Diren Sen, Dadu, a uh, famous devotee who delivered the mail when he was uh, leaving this world. He would have kirtan for him. Yeah, you were going to say? Oh, one second. Might as well get the mic. Right? Quite a few occasions where Andrew uh, just showed up right at the right time. And mm. another person was going to leave, you know, because you never quite know. But uh, on a few occasions, people were amazed that, you know, he was just so tuned in. And then he would just show up and be there when the person left. Yes, and he was willing to just... This, this young girl who was that accident in Vrindavan where she got shot, mm -hmm. and she was in a coma, and there was kirtan going on and on, and they expected her to be in a coma for quite a few days, and then, you know, Andrew Fubu arrived, and within an hour she left. You know, those, those kind of things would happen. Mm -hmm. with Andrew Prabhu, very extraordinarily wonderful mysteries of uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. I remember with Vibhu Chaitanya Prabhu, he was just basically, look, I'm here until he leaves. I'm just going to stay here. I mean, often when persons were uh, deathly sick, but it wasn't clear, you know, he would have a schedule two hours in the evening or uh, something like that. But it was, uh, it was a very, very uh, important service that, that he rendered. And uh, I know devotees who were leaving their bodies felt a, a great amount of solace. Uh, knowing that he was there and chanting, and he would, he would, um, he would often start. Off, I mean, I was only in not at all, so many, but he would start off in a very kind of solemn way. But sometimes he would, you know, he would really get the room rocking. Uh, and uh, and you know, because he was very fixed in um, understanding he would be just he would just be like um, in bliss when someone left because he knows they were hearing the holy name they, they left this world and he would just you know, um, you know they were, he wasn't uh, lamenting for the passing away of the body he was uh, he was really uh, um, yes very I, did you, when you, something you said sparked me in my memory about that. Other devotees? Pardon me? In those last moments when he left, what was that pastime? You know, were the devotees then around his bed chanting? This yesterday? Yes. Um, the reports that we're getting is that uh, when the accident happened with the uh, cylinder, that somehow or other he made his way to uh, his deities and paid obeisances to his deities. No, no, it was an accident. Oh, I don't know if you know the right. There was a, in in India you cook with gas cylinders, and there's uh, there's well there's at least two main sizes: a very big one, and then a smaller one, which is about five kgs. And it was a small one. Actually, one of, the, one of the managers in the temple mentioned that if it had been one of the bigger ones, it probably would have blown off the roof of the Guru Kul. Um, so somehow or other, this uh, cylinder exploded, and the reports that we've gotten is that, uh, right, that he somehow made his way to the deities and paid obeisances and was found in, uh, in that position paying obeisances to his deities. And that he had uh, previously requested that he his body be cremated uh, at the Yamuna, and that some of the ashes be sprinkled uh, near by his his deities. He had lots of deities, right? I mean, does anyone know how many shalagrams? Yeah, I mean, like serious amount of shalagrams. Yes, and uh, another Gornitai, I know he had. Yeah. Thank you, Krishna. Yeah, I just wanted to relate a couple incident or a couple small remembrances. When I uh, joined the temple in Chicago, uh, the first year there in 1979, he was also a devotee living there, and um, Brahmachari. And I, just some remembrances. I, I remember sometimes seeing him. We had a really old uh, YMCA building. Sometimes he'd be sleeping in the stairwell with a gum shot. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is to show how austere. I mean, he was like this even back then where, you know, just with a gum shot and maybe a cheddar wrapped over him, his head draped down a step, 
just that's where he'd sleep sometimes. Uh, I was coming back from uh, doing Sankerton downtown Chicago on the subway train, and uh, he happened to be come through the car that I was in, and his, he was doing the pick on the subway train, going up to people with a little piece of paper that said, I'm deaf and dumb, <laughs> please make a donation <laughs> to help me. And uh, so, anyway, you know, he was always performing austerities even back then. And, and uh, then more recently, um, in 2003, I had my first visit to Vrindavan Dam, and I was in the uh, computer room, and he came in. And so, you know, we started to talk about some of our, um, you know, being together back in Chicago. And uh, then he, he spoke about how he was having difficulties with his throat. And uh, the doctors told him he, should, he may have to limit his singing to a very minimal amount. And uh, otherwise he may you know, lose his voice completely. And as he was telling me that, tears started to roll down his face. And uh, he was lamenting just the idea that he would have to do that. And, and he said, if that, if that happens, he says, I'll be forced to, uh, he said, I'll be forced to just take uh, shelter of my japa. Some way he was talking like that. And um, then um, I also uh, had the good fortune of somebody mentioning about those fishermen lozengers. So <laughs> when, I, when I went there this last year, I, I went to his room to offer him that as a, a small gift. And I could tell he was very busy. It was right before he was supposed to go down for the kirtan. And he invited me to go to the kirtan. And, and prior to that, in Mayapur, he was there right before Gorpurnim. And uh, I remember one night, I was walking over towards the Samadhi's. It was about 10.30, and I could hear this. I started hearing this kirtan. I said, well, you know, I, I, I think I was only there for maybe one day at that time. I said, I better go and see, I want to go and see what's going on. But I knew I was going to be getting up very early, and I, I didn't want to spend too much time over there. I mean, yeah, it's hard to say, you know, how do you not want to spend time in the kirtan? But I knew I also wanted to be up at 2 o'clock in the morning or somewhere in that area. And so I went over to the temple room, and there was this huge kirtan going on. And uh, well, Madhava was, I think his name is Madhava Prabhu, was leading the kirtan, and Andrew was sitting right next to him. And I stood there, and I was watching them, and it was as if beams of ecstasy were emanating, were coming off of Ayendra. And the whole temple room was just these waves of going up and down and up and down. It was, and I was stunned. I stood there in one spot for 45 minutes. Every now and then I would think, Prabhu, you really should leave. <laughs> Maybe you should leave. You'll never, you know, what's this going to do to your next morning? But I couldn't leave. I was just t totally uh, stunned by that, that uh, kirtan and his presence there. And... Um, Finally, the kirtan ended in 45 minutes, and I've kind of escaped from there, knowing that I would never leave if I stayed there, and it started up again. And um, it seems like there was one other thing. Um, oh, yeah, after that one kirtan, he did make a little speech, and I remember his whole speech, his uh, lecture for 
10 or 15 minutes was how everything within this movement, everything within our personal lives, um, all the answers to all the problems will come by performing this kirtan like this. And it is like if our temples just inaugurated these kirtans continually, he was going on and on how that would uh, revitalize everybody's life in Krishna consciousness. One thing you said reminded me because uh, I would sometimes, uh, you know, talk to him or witness how his voice was just shot, totally shot, and then, and I've seen this many times. And then the next day, he's leading this intense kirtan. You know, you know, where I would have taken a week off from talking probably and just done silent job. And I don't know where he got that ability to do that because it was just I mean sometimes you talk to him right and it was just like there was no voice left and then that evening you'd and you'd see him leading the, you know this intense kirtan sometimes going way high right at the uh, towards the end you know, I mean his you know voice you know, hitting the high up so I don't know it was amazing how he uh, Krishna gave him that energy Andrew Prabhuki. Um, I was really, really fortunate to get to meet Andrew Prabhu in Mayapur during a, a uh, it was a seminar for deity worship. And uh, I didn't know he did deity worship. <laughs> but he was there and, and he was dressed in this amazing outfit. It was like a bodysuit almost, but it was like made of this terry cloth. You know the cloth that, that tennis people have their bandanas are made of? You know that? It was made of that. And it looked really cooling. And his body was golden, and he was a fulgent personality. And he was sitting there in a chair, and Pankajangri Jananavivas Prabhu were there too. They were the leaders of the the seminar on deity worship, but Iandra was was the the lead speaker, and it, this was a this was an introduction. This was introductory. This was level one of the deity worship. So Iandra Prabhu begins to speak, and he uh, I'd heard about him before, and I'd seen him one time. I saw him in a in a kirtan. Uh, in Mayapur, I think it was the night before, maybe it was a couple years before, Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu and I walked into the temple room, in the big Panchatattva temple room. And there was a little stage set up to the right of the altar. And he was there doing his bhajan with some devotees. And all of the devotees that walked up to it, it's like Prabhu said, Gopal Prabhu said, everyone was stunned because it was so intense and beautiful and amazing and we just stood there and our jaws kind of hit our chin you know jaws hit the floor and we're like wow because it was just beaming out this amazing Krishna melody and it was deep and intense and spiritual and we were just going like wow we I'd never seen anything like it or heard anything like it before and we've heard it on his tapes you know if you get the CDs it's like that but when you actually heard him doing it it was unbelievable and Panchatattva were there we were there and we thought gosh you know it was during Panchatattva's installation 
when they got installed. And so that was the first time I had ever seen him and just been blown away. And he, he, I took, tried to take a photograph later on when he was doing bhajan, and he looked at me very intensely like, don't take my photograph while I'm doing this. And, uh, but I still got the shot, and then I didn't take any others. So we, later on I was in the, the, the deity workshop, the deity worship uh, seminar, and uh, he was uh, speaking, and he began to go really, really deep into a deity worship and what he felt, why he did it, what motivated him. And he was very, uh, he got, he dressed Radhe Sham, and he said that they were his worshipable deities. I think I'm safe to say that. And he said that he was worshiping them under the direct or what he under the under the shelter he had taken shelter of Lalita Devi and Lalita Devi was really his guide and you could feel it the intensity of his love for the deities for deity worship and that he'd really had a personal relationship with the deities and that he'd gone so deep that he was really uh, aware of his relationship with Krishna and with Lalita Devi as one of, you know, her helpers. And uh, it was just amazing, you know, to hear him speaking these things. And we were all just blown away. We couldn't believe it. Like, you know, this is it. So Pankajangri Prabhu, after a little bit of this, said, Prabhu, wait a minute. This is level one. You're talking on level five. <laughs> and Andrew Prabhu just said, oh, no problem. It's okay to hear this. You should be aware of it, you know, even though you're just starting out. I mean, a lot of, most of the devotees had done deity worship for a long time, but he said, still, this is good for you to know. <laughs> this is good. And he didn't miss a beat. He just kept on talking <laughs> at that level, pretty much. But uh, it was also very practical. You know, the, the, the course was practical, how to do, how to dress a certain ways and do certain things and pins and not pinning the deities and flowers. And, but his, his speaking on it was so deep. And he spoke about how uh, now all of the deities now are on video and it goes out all the time. And so... He said that he would always be aware of that. He always wanted to dress nicely, but he encouraged us to dress nicely because the whole world was seeing this, and it was for Krishna too. But um, one thing that he mentioned that he was the first to do was begin to use the little teardrop-shaped uh, makut pieces, the, the head pieces that go on Srimati Radharani. It's a little teardrop shape. Some devotees call them chandrikas, but they're like parts that go like, you know, part of the little part that's sticking up on, on Kalachanji's head would go right on Radharani's forehead at her hairline. Have you all seen that before? He, he said he, he was one of the first to really ever do that. And, it, and, and then when it went out, devotees would see pictures and it spread. So um, rightly so, I think he gets credit for that. And he was very close to the deities. He had, was, was very... Uh, you know, close to, uh, felt very strongly about serving Radhe Sham and Srimati Radharani, especially under Lalita Devi's, you know, tutelage. And um, 
I only, I was at, there were four or five days of classes and I could only go to three of them. But just in that short time, he affected me so, so deeply. I mean, for me, he's one of the top five devotees that ever affected me. You know, that, that there's a section in the Bhagavatam, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in the, in the uh, Bhagavad Gita, that even a moment's association with a pure devotee can affect you can change your life and I feel like it was that way for me meeting him because he was so deeply Krishna conscious and friendly he was super friendly and very open and he would speak his mind and you knew you knew that he was telling you everything that you needed to hear he wouldn't hold anything back there was like no duplicity or defensiveness Everything we needed to hear about deity worship, in fact, a lot more than we needed to hear, he was telling us. <laughs> and he wasn't going to hold back anything. And I've only met a couple other devotees that were as friendly as he was, that you knew his heart was totally open to you and he liked you. Because he could see you beyond just your material covering. He was looking at you as a spirit soul. And Mother Kirtida was like that. She, she, she was like that. She treated devotees that way. And that's why everyone loved her. And you could tell everyone loved Diandra because of that. And he was brutally honest. So, you know, someone like that will, will not always be so popular. But if you can get past, uh, if, if you can see what he's really trying to say, you have to admit, wow, he's, he's true. It's right. It's true, you know. But uh, his... his uh, effulgence and the way he carried himself and I'm just really really grateful that I got even a tiny amount of time to associate with him and I learned so much about deity worship from him and uh, but I, I wanted to share that because his way of, of dealing with people that I saw was so uh, Christian conscious he was a very Christian conscious person and, he, and to me, I mean, I know he did bhajans and chanting and 24-hour kirtan, but to me, I always think of him as a deity worship expert. Like, his thing was deity worship. And if you can imagine anyone to dress Radhe Sham on a regular basis, I mean, they're so, such beautiful deities. And uh, so for me, I just wanted to share that and encourage devotees to do deity worship. <laughs> We've got Radhakalachenji right here, and he's just waiting for our touch. You know, he, he wants us to touch him. He likes that. And um, I, uh, one other quick thing. I don't know if I ever went to his room. I feel like I did. Because if I didn't, then I feel like I've been there spiritually because I've heard it described so nicely. Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu, and I'm sure he's going to speak. And also, uh, Namaruchi Prabhu went there. And, and so hopefully they'll share with us because it's totally transcendental when you hear what his room was like and his deities. And I heard so many nice things from, from them about it that that went into my heart real deeply too to feel how he lived <laughs> with his deities in his room. Is really amazing. So maybe I can pass the microphone to His Grace Chaitanya Chandra Prabhu. I enter Prabhu Ki.
Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> that was definitely one of the uh, main motivations and highlights to go to Vrindavan was to be part of his kirtan. I think everybody must have felt that, at least a lot of the devotees. Um, uh, the last time I was there was after Gorpanim when they did the boat festival. And uh, Andrew Prabhu and Bibi Govinda Maharaj and Shiva Maharaj, I don't know if he was there at that time. Dina Bandhu was there. Anyway, after the boat festival, they did a stand up kirtan where Dina Bandhu and Bibi Govinda Maharaj and Andrew Prabhu led the kirtan. And that was like a New York style fired up really powerful kirtan it was really ecstatic it went for about an hour and a half and uh, that was really wonderful so I don't remember if it was that night or it was one of the other nights well one of the nights I went up there was his birthday I just followed him from his kirtan because I knew him back on Radha Damodar days when we used to go out and distribute books so I went up to his room and just kind of just was there in his room as many devotees were coming and giving him gifts for his birthday and uh, he was actually giving someone uh, Shelagram Shilin he described the whole how to worship the Shelagram and described the Shelagram worship in a very nice way and I learned a lot of things just listening to him because I had never worshipped Shelagram but uh, that was really wonderful and then somebody else came in and asked him about chanting and then he started preaching about the glories of the holy name and the congregational chanting for another hour or so to this devotee and he was non-stop preaching uh, the whole night and finally at maybe I think I went up there at around 8 o'clock or so I don't remember what time his kirtan finished what, as we heard, what time was his shift over? 7 o'clock okay so then sometime after that we walked up to his room. So I was there pretty much the whole night. And it was really wonderful just to hear him preach. Um, uh, some of the, he was telling me some things that were kind of interesting to me as a god brother I thought was kind of far out. He, he was saying that some of the devotees didn't like, didn't want him to give classes. Because they weren't sure what he was going to say. <laughs> But when I heard him preaching up there for like three hours, all different varieties of subject matters and stuff, I didn't hear anything except Prabhupada's philosophy in a really sweet, realized way. And uh, so that was really wonderful. So finally at around maybe, I don't know, 12, 12.30, everybody left. So it was just he and I there. And then he realized that he hadn't, uh, fed his deities and the shellograms yet so I said well what can I do to help so he sent me somewhere to get samosas and sweets and different things so I went and bought a bunch of different things and came and brought them up and he offered them to his deities and we sat there and talked for a while longer till around 1.30 or so and he gave me a little piece of maha cake and I gave I took the Tulsi leaf off and ate it and gave the guard the cake the choking dog guy there at the gate but anyway, he was really sweet, and uh, Dharma mentioned his room. <clears throat> uh, very wonderful. It was made from, it was, all the rooms are con or brick covered with concrete in those small rooms. 
So he customized it by um, using cow dung and Yamuna sand, I believe, and made some kind of mixture as, uh, and coated all the walls with it. And then within the, the coating, there were different designs, like different vines with flowers. And uh, I don't remember all the details. I didn't get to take any pictures of the room. I did take some pictures of the room, but they didn't come out. Um, but when you walk into his room, right on the, as soon as you walk in, was a lot of his sound equipment taking up a lot of the space. I don't know how it is now, but this was like in 2006. And then there was a very small little spaces where you could, a few people could sit down. And then there was uh, his table with his shellograms. And then he had these two beautiful big ties that he rescued from the Padiatra bus uh, that caught on fire at some point somewhere. And he got the deities and they were in his room. So this big table, he had 300 or so shellograms, maybe more. I forget how many. And then the big, big Gornetize. And I'm not sure where he slept, actually, because the room is actually pretty small <laughs> behind Gornetai. So there's a little bit of space behind Gornetai than some other things. So he didn't have much room in there, but a lot of transcendental activities were going on. But when he walked in, it was very pleasing to see the room because it was uh, cow dung, and it was all beautiful custom work. So it was, like, very artistic so you can see he had a very nice artistic ability. And, uh, uh, well, I can go on and on talking about Andrew Prabhu, but anyway, someone else may want to speak. Andrew Prabhu Kijai. Hare Krishna. Andrew Prabhu Kijai. So in, uh, I think it was 2007, my wife and I went to Vrindavan, and I got several opportunities to spend some time up in Iandra's room. I took pictures also, so if you want to see. <laughs> and I took a video of that kirtan with Bibi Govindamarsh, little clips. There was another one with uh, 2006 that we were there? Okay, 2006. <laughs> I can't remember everything. But... Um, at one point, I told my wife, I said, oh, I'm going to go up to visit Ayendra Prabhu. And I'll be right back. <laughs> so I came back five hours later. <laughs> so I was up there, and he, was, he read me some passages from his book. It's a book about the holy name, but it, it was said to be about book distribution. Um, a lot of it was about the chanting of the holy name. He also spoke about... Um, this going outside of Iskon, he was say, he expressed some of his realizations that at some point he wanted to not, not only know what is he not, like we all know that we're not the body, but who is he? Who is he? Who is he as a spirit soul? Like what's his relationship? And he had this anxiety: Who am I? And he said that. He got some realizations from Srila Prabhupada and that basically Prabhupada will give you everything. There's no, there's no, you need to go to this, this other mod or this sannyasi to get deep realizations of your relationship with Krishna. And one thing you notice is that he had, uh, he was very accommodating. He was always in allowing people to come to his room even though he would only sleep a couple hours or so. 
he would he had the time for everybody to welcome into his room and speak and uh, you know he, he would just have you know he would go to sleep I don't know what time he would go to sleep sometime. I think in the middle of the afternoon was the only time he slept something like that but he would always be uh, very gracious and invite everybody and uh, allow people to come in and and was very patient just preaching to everybody we, I bought two of the screaming babies from him for Amala Kirtan and I bought one for myself but I, tra- I traded that with Amal and he only wanted to sell the you know the screaming baby harmoniums he only wanted to sell those if they were going to be used for Harinam he said I don't want the, you know this I don't want to be used for you know your home bhajan or things like that he wanted them used for Harinam Sankirtan um Remember a few other things. Yeah, I have pictures if anybody wants to see. And I have a nice video clip. I just wanted to say one other thing that he was a great inspiration <clears throat> to everybody in the world with his kirtan. So many people, how, how many people don't listen to his kirtan, let's say, can hardly find anybody who doesn't listen to Andrew's recordings and his uh, enthusiastic, loving deity worship. So he was actually lived uh, a perfect life of devotional service, uh, which is the goal uh, of our existence, actually, is to take up the process and live in 24 hours of devotional service, become an eternal servant of the Lord uh, and the Lord's devotees. So he was an example of that, always absorbed in his service to the deities and, and the kirtan and all the devotees. So that was a, uh, a perfect life. And then when you go to Vrindavan, uh, you go there because you want to die there. You want to become absorbed in the devotional service and you want to leave your body. That's when you go to see all the different older people that retire in Vrindavan all the different, from all the different temples. People are going there so they can become absorbed in Krishna consciousness and so that they can leave their bodies there and go back to Godhead. So these extraordinary people who are so fortunate and so intelligent that they go to Vrindavan for that reason and he's a success story. Uh, not only just a success story but an inspiration for the world. One one other thing I remembered is that he personally uh, tuned the harmonium. He sat there for hours just tuning the harmonium for me. It was really nice. And um, like I said, he was very, he was, even though he had such, you know, he had, he would worship his deities for, I think, was it five hours every day? He had his kirtan program. He barely slept, but he would always be very open and welcome to talk to people and, and be very, very, uh, gracious in that matter. It's great to Andrew Prabhu Keej. There's a lot to say. Um, just go for, with whatever comes to mind. Um, I guess the main thing that comes to mind was uh, I was listening to his lectures a lot when I was in India. I, uh, you know, I, I went with the mood of you know, I'm here, I'm here in the Holy Dom, and so uh, 
it was really interesting because when I, I was going, I was going by myself to Vrindavan, and I'd never taken a train in Vrindavan, you know, in India. Well, but I'd never taken a train by myself. So one devotee, one congregation devotee, helped me out, and um, so he said, "Don't worry, uh, Radharani is going to take care of you." So just when I went to the place where I was going to sit, uh, there's a sticker on the wall, like, and it said uh, something in Hindi or something. And I asked the devotee, "Well, what does it say?" He said, "It says Radhe, Radhe." So, um, anyways, when I went, when I arrived, the first thing as I was going up the stairs, the first person I saw was Ayendra Prabhu, and he was coming straight down, and he had this perfect posture, and he just had these deep black eyes that could just look you straight into the soul. And um, so afterwards, I I, uh, I noticed that he had this project of you know building the ashram, and so I I asked him if I could help him. And uh, the, when I met him, I, you know, I introduced myself, and he said, My name is Ayendra Das, and I am in Madhurya Ras. And my service, <laughs> and he said, My service is to clean the toilets and chant Hare Krishna. And um, so from there, you know, he engaged me in different services, you know. And I saw just how he lived, you know, he dressed very simply, even though it was cold at the time I was there in December. And it was very cold, and he just, you know, wore that one piece of cloth. And, uh, um, you know, I saw him working hard, you know. And I, I also saw the other aspect, some, some people wouldn't appreciate what he was doing, you know. Uh, I saw somebody ring out a gumshoe right outside their room, and he came out, and he saw the puddle of water, and he said, Who did this? And he looked, you know, he went to the room and he asked the person, why are you being lazy? The, the, the hallway is just down, the, 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 the bathroom is just right down the hallway. Why don't you go to the bathroom and ring it out? And uh, anyways, there's so much to be said. I just, um, uh, he just said different times. So I, he, I was helped, you know, he allowed me to help him, you know, make some of the designs. And he showed me, and he would be working at it, you know, hard at, you know, at all night. You know, when everybody was asleep, he'd be up working on those. And I remember I went to bed just when he would be working on one. And the next morning when I would w wake up, I'd go and I'd look at it, he'd be finished. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, just the, the cow dung designs that were on the picture frames, you know, he was putting up the picture frames, and so he would be drilling the holes, and he was so intense, you know, everything was determination and focus, and he would call me like, like, give me some of those screws over there, so I'd give him the screws, he'd screw them in, and and uh, so many, I don't know, it was just, I, I, was, I, I feel myself very fortunate to have met him, he, he really changed my life. Um, uh, yeah, one, one thing he said to me was, when I was working at it, I was really mental because I had never done anything like that before, and I didn't, really want, I didn't want to mess it up, and he told me, don't think, just do. <laughs> and then, another, when he, and then a, <laughs> he came another time, and he saw me, and I was doing it very slow because I, you know, I'm just a very slow person. And um, he told me, you're going nowhere fast. And uh, yeah, and he was all every. And I had one, only one time I got to be with him up in his room when he was speaking with everybody, and he was preaching, you know, constantly. You know, um, he, all the whole. Every, you know, if he if he wasn't chanting or visit, you know, when I was there, he was doing this Katyayani Vrat, and so he would go to this temple and he was chanting all these rounds and. Um, 
so in the evening he would have his kirtan and he was always supervising the whole construction of the whole you know the, the decorations he was like a transcendental conductor uh, art um, director and um So, yeah, so he was speaking to some devotees, and then somebody, he was trying to encourage everybody to do kirtan, that wherever we're at, our primary activities should be Harinam Sankirtan. That should be our, our, our goal of, of everything. Our lives should be centered around Harinam Sankirtan. And uh, he, like, he was trying to encourage one devotee, and he was sort of like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not really a kirtan leader. And, and he said, what's your name? And he said, my name is, he said, oh, well, my name is uh, Jagannath Kirtan. He said, just see, you know, your name is Jagannath Kirtan, you should do Kirtan. You know, so he was always trying to encourage the devotees. And um, uh, so that, that night I stayed up, you know, he was speaking with everybody and I was there with him until the end. And it was around 12 o'clock and he was, you know, just preaching on and on. And. And I could see that he was tired, but I, you know, I knew I was leaving the next day, so I really wanted to have some of his lectures and CDs, and so um, he gave me, you know, uh, he was writing them just when he would, he would burn the CDs, and then when he was writing, he wrote his name on it, but I could see he was falling asleep, his, his head was dozing, and even when he was writing his name, you could see in the CD, is the, the, the pen mark is like, you know, because he fell, you know, fell asleep. And then just, I don't know, I was just really impressed by that. that he just, you know, he never complained, well, I'm sorry, Prabhu, you know, I, I, gotta, I gotta go take some rest. He was just, I, I, I don't know, just an amazing person. And um, I mean, like, I could go on and on, but then, uh, so afterwards he just got right up and it was like he had slept. Like, he got right up and he's like, now I'm gonna do my, my puja. And, and uh, he said it like takes him like five hours. It was twelve o'clock at night. He said, "I'm going to do my puja," and um, and then he gave me some mahaprasadam and asked him, "Prabhu, can I have a hug?" <laughs> and I, you know, I, I, he didn't seem like that kind of person that you can say be all sentimental around. Even though he would talk about these, you know, he was preaching. I, I mean, he, he wasn't like a sentimental person. He was. I I, I saw him working harder than everybody else, and. Uh, he was living what he was preaching, and um, and yeah, he gave me a hug, <laughs> even though he that wasn't the kind of person he was. He still gave me that hug, and he gave me some a little mahaprasadam, and I left, and that was the last time I ever, I ever saw him. Um, I listened to some of his lectures, and I was very grateful to listening listening to him because I felt that my, he inspired me very in my Krishna consciousness in a way that I had never. He introduced me to things that I had never heard, but he would always say that this is all in Srila Prabhupada's books. And every time I would read Prabhupada, every time from now that I read Prabhupada's books, I always remember the things that he said in his lectures. And um, uh, when one of his lectures. Uh, I heard what he never he, he only had one uh, exchange with Srila Prabhupada. He only, Prabhupada only said one thing to him, and uh, he Prabhupada was in Potomac, Maryland, and he was they were coming from his quarters, and they were doing uh, kirtan, and he was playing a merdanga, and he couldn't really play it very well. He said he was just banging away on the drum, and screaming at the top of his lungs, and then Srila Prabhupada just looked over at him and just said, "Jai." <laughs> And, and he said that that was, all, that was the only thing Prabhupada ever said to him. And he said that if, if, if me doing kirtan can get a jaya out of Srila Prabhupada, 
then you know, his, you know, that's that's what he focused on. That's one that one instruction that Srila Prabhupada just to get that jaya to Srila Prabhupada. And um, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I yeah, I really. I had one dream, and I, I was going to end there, but like I really want to share this because I feel that it's sort of in his mood. Um, he really wanted to spread this Harinam Sankirtan, and he really wanted us to join together and just really do kirtan together and um, spend more time doing kirtan together. That would help our relationships, you know, and uh, whether a person feels like their nature is music or kirtan or whatever. He, he said, no, we should always just do kirtan. That should be our primary focus. And uh, it was a dream I had. He came to me in my dream and I was expressing my gratitude to him for, for his lectures. For, I was listening to his lectures and I'm very grateful. And he, at that moment, he just, he, gave, he embraced me and he whispered in my ear, he said, we need you. And he got up and some little girls came with like some baskets or some plates with prasadam. And he took a little and he left. And uh, after that, it, it I started following him, and I, 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 was, I went after him. I couldn't find him, and it got dark. And I was walking through the streets in Vrindavan, and, at the, and then finally this, it was dark, and I looked, and I saw the Krishna Balaram temple. So I, I, I told this dream to Madhava Prabhu, and he told me that it didn't really mean that you know, he wanted me in Vrindavan physically, but he wanted us to work together to, to spread this Harinam Sankirtan. So his grace Andrew Prabhu Ki John. That uh Brajavari Prabhu said how intense was his kirtan and uh, class when someone giving class is really giving Vrindavan class is not joke. You have to really, really know know the Shastra every single point. So that time, I think His Holiness Bhaktichar Swami Maharaj was giving class. As he said, he was, he was not present in the class. And suddenly I saw his walking in the door and asked question. <laughs> and from that day, the, I was all that class, that question was almost one and a half hour continue, one after another. So I don't know those that have been the one class they were attending those I, those days I see a lot of question. Does anybody have a question? It's a lot of hand is raised just that a question. So I really relish so much and after that any time I had class I hear in Brindavan I always look for Mohindra Prabhu when he's going to walk in the doorway and ask some kind of question so you can relish. And uh, and I think Kirtan was uh, I didn't remember that one time it was a Kartik, I was there. And he started Kirtan in Damodara Ostrakam. And then Damodara Ostrakam, that's such an ecstatic Kirtan continued three hours. And 9.30, the temple management, they need to wash temple. So they request, Prabhu, please. Prabhu, Nohandra Prabhu continued Kirtan, but uh, they ask all the devotees to move from temple, Kotiya, so they can clean the temple. So nobody listening. <laughs> so then he, they put who's five, they, everyone, the, the, everybody got to wait. The devotee is still dancing, ecstatic. The finally, remember, remember that devotee pushed them out <laughs> from Temple Kotia to move out. 
and he has to clean the temple for the next day morning, program almost 10 o'clock. So this uh, uh, one thing really I enjoyed uh, in the program. Most cases I was always far away. I watch him. I really not feel that because he was really very intense in Krishna consciousness with his dress. It's not joke in Iskon. You have something unusual dress. Present yourself and you know, your own way to establish something because Iskon is very much. Is you cannot do this, Prabhu, because this is not our role. So the Bhagavan Prabhu was still different. He was his own style, own test in Krishna consciousness. So he present Krishna consciousness his own way. So that's really I enjoy from far away. I never really try to go close to him because I know he's really Braja mood, really strong Braja mood. So I'm not that mood. So better just watch from far away. So last time I was in a Mayapur and then he was, uh, this was 11.30 night, um, I have most cases, I sleep late night, so I was chanting a senior Brahmachari building. There's a road walk um, from senior Brahmachari building to that almost 200 feet from that distance. So Ohanyabra was 11.30 night, he was chanting his beat bag. And then everybody else left that time, it's silent map, that time it was a nice bridge, and the weather was so nice, it's not cold, not hot that time. And he was really enjoying with the dham, he's looking left and right and chanting in his big bag. And this, I was seeing him, this, I was on the ground floor room, so I was chanting there. So I say, Hare Krishna, Prabhu, you're enjoying in Mayapur? Say, yes. And then he just on the way start to walk to me. I, I feel so often that he really is going, he's interrupt his mood. Maybe you're chanting, he's going somewhere, maybe going his room. So I just call this out of just, I feeling this. And then he just start on the way walk to me and he start talking almost 15, 20 minutes. Finally, I said, please, I don't want to waste your time because your time is very valuable. So just then, this is the time I, uh, I feel that how humble he is, such a personality, and I don't care who devotee call, he's just on the way what. So, so this really gave me the glimpse what that would be for a real devotee mode. And uh, another thing in Vrindavan that was time, I don't know the issue going on, that Mataji should be half and Prabhu should be half that time. So that time, Mongolarati, I was there. And um, this is the one mood I see on the Prabhu different than another, any other mood. So he, he made chain all the brahmachari stand in front. So this way, so maybe Mataji has a plan to they're really going to push. They're going to stand in the Radha Shamsundar. They want to uh, Krishna Balaram until Krishna Balaram to Radha Shamsundar half. And um, Prabhuji can be the Krishna to Gornita half. This way, this way. But Ohindra uh, Prabhu, as a ISKCON standard, he wants to sit the Mataji standing behind and Prabhu um, or Sannyasis, Brahmachari, that's in the front. So, anyhow, so he chained them up, all the Brahmachari stand, and then I saw suddenly just all the Mataji pushing Brahmachari like anything. <laughs> so Ohindra so Prabhu looked at them, he feeling a little disturbed, and then said, so Hare Krishna. So then, Kirtan was messed up anyhow. So he's really, really wonderful devotee. It is really, I feel bad that I'm going to go Vrindavan and not see him anymore because it's a really great loss for our society. Because uh, nowadays, all the Prabhupada disciples, the such special soul, 
we need them so much for inspiration because this kind of personality is not going to, I don't know, and I don't know how lifetime we will see another going to come up with this kind of personality. So I really uh, miss him so much because when yesterday I was watching my April class, the skin I saw that's all in April left, I stood on devastated this. Such a young, anyhow, Krishna have some plan. Thank you, Hare Krishna. Okay. Hare Krishna, anybody else uh, want to say something? Okay, well, this uh, prasadam is being served uh, already. Uh, then we'll continue with kirtans here, as I said, all day. We'll be having kirtans, and then, of course, this evening we'll go out in Harinam. And uh, Kirtan will go on until uh, Mangalarti tomorrow. Of course, Mangalarti will be as usual, 4.30. So everybody's welcome. Please do participate in the program. be really nice. Again, as I said, all of today's and tomorrow's festivals will be dedicated to uh, programs we dedicated to. His Grace, Ayantra Prabhu Ki Jai.